Hi everyone, I know that we are living on very weird times right now and now it's very clear for me that everything that we are living right now is going to make it into the history books or in the history in general. I'm sure that our grandchildren are going to be asking us, hey grandpa, tell us how did you survive the coronavirus times? So I wish you all the best, stay healthy, stay inside if you can and we're going to get over this very quickly. I think that for me it was a very unique experience because I was traveling in Peru just a regular vacation and then all these things started to happen there and everything went from zero to crazy very fast. But I also want to share my vacation so I want to show you all the good things. Uh, also I know that after this, everyone is going to be in a major economical crisis. So to every single place that I mention here, I wish you all the best. I wish that every place is still there and every place is still can survive after all of this and back to the normal. So if we all support each other, that can happen. And I want to give a few shout outs. I want to give a huge thank you to Lima Gourmet Tours. I took one of their tours and it was a great experience. I learned a lot. I also want to thanks to Erika La Madrid from Delectable Peru Food Tours. She gave me a lot of great food recommendations, but also offered me help when all the crises started. And also a very special thanks to my friend Anna that she gave me also great food recommendations but also without her help it will have been a much more difficult time in Peru than actually it was. Anyway, let's start this episode. Everything started with a trip that I wanted to give to my mom to celebrate her retirement. This was about a year ago. Uh, I was pretty sure actually that my mom was going to choose Italy or Egypt because she always wanted to go there. And then, I don't know why she was hesitant about it, I'm really lucky that she didn't choose Italy. <laughs> uh, but then I was pretty sure that she was going to choose Guatemala. And then she decided to go to Peru again, which is very... I mean, we already went there in 2012. Which, this brings me back that every time that we travel to Peru, there's something apocalyptic. <laughs> In 2012, it was this thing that the world was going to end. And now that we went, this seems more like the world is going to end. But, I don't know, it's weird. Every time that we just go to Peru, something interesting happens. I remember a lot when I was purchasing the flights on December, that... It was very weird for me that if I choose only 15 days, the flight was expensive, and then if I choose three weeks, the flight was cheaper. So I was like, okay, let's get the three weeks. We are going to find something to do. And it was very weird because exactly one day before our flight, we got lockdown in Peru. Anyway, let's talk about the good things first. Obviously, one of the highlights of the trips, especially to my mom, 
was to go to Machu Picchu again. And I really wanted to get in shape and train to go to the Inca Trail, but I couldn't. Um, so I was going to go in the bus with her. Also, the food was a very important part. And we made a booking to Central, which especially I was excited, but my mom was super excited for this. Uh, honestly, it was a great dining experience. And then uh, other, we went to Cusco, obviously, and we went to the desert also. So Central, I want to talk first about Central. Central was an amazing experience. Not just, I mean, the food in many times, in many, we choose the 12 courses, which it was all divided in different elevations. It was a lot of food, but enough. I I was I was hesitant about choosing the 12 or the 16, but I think that I made the right call to choose the 12. Um, this was much more an educational experience and by itself an experience than just a good meal, no? Uh, and especially because many of the ingredients were so weird and I have never heard of them and I'm sure that I'm never going to eat them again. But since the moment that we arrived, we got a, we did a tour in the, in the small courtyard that they had. They were explaining us what they have, why it's there, how to take care of it. Then to the kind of offices over there with Helio and everyone else uh, was there then to the backstage there was like a small store also a cocktail bar also to the other new restaurant that they just opened in the in the top so the, everything was amazing and honestly to all the questions that we asked to them to the girl over there taking us in the tour she knew exactly how to answer like she I'm, I'm sure that every other person that does this tour at the beginning of their dinner uh, it's qualified like that like it's passionate about what they are doing it's passionate about the research about everything so that was one honestly for me one of my highlights of everything and then uh, some dishes because like i was telling you the ingredients were very weird uh, they have unique flavors uh, maybe this this is more an experience than actually enjoying the good food you no know, like i was telling you but for my mom especially, it was great that Virgilio was there and I was telling to everyone, yeah, this is because of her birthday, all this trip is because of her birthday. And Virgilio went twice to tell her happy birthday, to hug her. I t obviously, I took a picture of him with her. Then we went to the kitchen and all the stuff of the kitchen was there. It was amazing. No, Honestly, this has been one of my best experience in a fine dining place. Uh, so now the restaurant central is in a neighborhood called Barranco. Uh, this is like a very bohemian neighborhood. Uh, it reminds me a lot to Roma in Mexico City. And uh, kind of a hip, bohemian, trendy. So we stayed on a bed and breakfast called the Osmara in Barranco. Actually, it was like one block from Central. It was a great location and also very near to the Plaza de Armas of Barranco. The Plaza de Armas is like the like the central part of the neighborhood. So amazing, amazing location, super welcoming staff, warm, and also the facilities were very good. Um, I went to get my daily morning coffee in a place that it was also like a block from there it was called la tostaduria bicetti 
great coffee. The service was okay. Um, after that, I actually realized that uh, in most of the places, the service in Peru, it's not the best. So actually, uh, when you start to go to like more maybe touristy restaurants, the, sa the service is much better. And later, sometime, someone told me that it's because in Peru, usually they don't even expect that you actually leave a tip. So that's why they don't even make an effort to have a good service. That was weird. But anyway, we felt that vibe in a lot of the places. Um, so La Tostadoria Visiti is amazing coffee. And also it's great if you're a digital nomad, if you want to go to a good place with good internet, that there's plugs to plug your computer, good seats. This is a great place for that. Then uh, in the same neighborhood, we had a lot of places to eat. Uh, one of my mom's favorite was Cantarranita. That was a kind of a small place on the inside of a regular market. Uh, but we went at lunchtime, which is not a good idea because it was packed. There was a line. It was not a very big line, but we needed to wait like maybe 20 minutes. But the food was very good. I remember that I had a ceviche with fish and octopus and my mom had a causa and everything was very good. Super vibrant, also great for pictures. Um, so apparently the lunchtime in general in Peru, it's from one to three. So if you arrive from noon to one, you're good. And if you arrive around four, you're also good. Uh, another of the places that we got a lot of uh, people recommended was Isolina, also super near the, the hotel. This place, uh, actually we saw that place before we actually even knew that it was that the place because it was always packed, packed, packed. There was always a line. So uh, the food was good. Uh, the service was also very good. But something important over here is that all the dishes are huge. Honestly, you, I recommend a lot to go at least four people because you want to share everything that they give you. All the dishes are... And it, this is very weird because actually two people told me that. But when we arrived to the restaurant, we, we told to the waiter, hey, I have heard that the dishes are big. And he was like, nah, a little bit. But at the end, we ordered only one thing and it was enough for both of us. So the ceviche was very good and it was very vibrant. This is like the place where all the pretty people goes there. No, this reminded me a lot of places to Condesa in Condesa Roma. No, that it, it like you have to be good looking to enter the place. No, so then we went to which other place we went. Let me see my list over here. Mm. I also went to a cocktail place that a lot of people recommended. It's called Ayahuasca. Uh, the place by itself is beautiful. It's a huge house that it's a labyrinth. Uh, I just entered walking and then I just wander around because I was like, where is the main part? Like here there's a bar, but then there, there's some downstairs and there was another section. Then there was like a basement. Then it was crazy. But uh, I took a seat, I saw the menu, the cocktails looked interesting, but then everything was served on the same kind of a plastic cups that that was like a really bad turn off. Like I didn't like at all how they presented the dishes. Anyway, 
it, it was very vibrant. A lot of people, a lot of tourists, good atmosphere, but not my recommended place to go to get cocktails. Anyway, um, what else? We went... Oh, we also went to a place called Merito. That I think this place, it, it was very cool looking, but it falls into the stereotype that they say we are too cool to be nice, we are too hip and trendy to be nice, that it's a privilege that actually we are serving you the food. Uh, the design was good, but a lack of soul and nothing warm. The food was very good, perfectly elaborated, but the service was not my personal favorite. Just to give you an idea of what do I mean, we were exactly there when the restaurant opened because I have heard that restaurant that restaurant gets very packed. So we were there exactly when they opened and obviously we are the only ones there. So we entered, we took a seat in front of the kitchen and uh, they only have menus. So there was two options of menu. I think it was one vegetarian, one with everything. So uh, this was our last chance to go to this place because it was our last day in the neighborhood. Uh, but sadly, we already have something to eat before. So we were not that hungry. Uh, so we saw the menu and then we told to the waiter, hey, um, we only want to share one menu because um, we are not that hungry. And she's like, oh, no, you can't do that. I was like, what the fuck are you talking? Uh, she was like, no, the menus are per person. And I was like, I was this close to get angry and cranky and all of that. But instead, I I choose the other option, which it was like more friendly. Like, oh, I'm sorry, we didn't knew. We just ate a really late breakfast. And this trip is because of my mom's birthday. And this is going to be our last day here. We're going to Cusco. And then they actually, like, the, the server didn't give us any hard time anymore and she just serves one menu but yeah and I, I mean like for saying that it's super weird for me anyway the food was very good so that was my only complaint about the weird service no then after a couple of days in barranco we went to cusco and basically there we went to cusco just to go to machu picchu uh, personally for me the food in cusco and in general in the Andes region, like in the Valle Sagrado, and we were in another in another town that right now I can't remember the name. Um, I didn't like it. I didn't like it because I felt that, and I'm pretty sure that maybe this is a bit of my mistake, uh, that to every place that we went, they used exactly the same seasoning for everything. Like, it didn't matter what... It was the preparation. It has the same condiments and exactly the same mixture of them. Everything tasted the same. Like even just the potatoes, just the beef, everything tasted the same. And um, I was not a fan of that. Also, every place served like a turuchandina. It's a trout from the Andes. Uh, not my personal favorite fish. So for me, it was not the best food experience in, in in general in all this region. But the San Pedro market in Cusco was great. I was looking for a tour over there, but I couldn't find it. Also, I was <clears throat> kind of a feeling bad for the first two days there. 
I got altitude sickness, but over there they sell pills that they help you a lot for that. It's called Soroche. Over there, like the local name for altitude sickness is Soroche. So Soroche pill are the things that you have to buy over there in the drugstore. Anyway, we went to Machu Picchu. It was great, as everybody knows. Then we came back to Lima, but now we stayed in Miraflores. So this is the other kind of a big tourist neighborhood there. Uh, but this was going to be the part of the trip that I was more excited for it because we were going to the oasis of Huacachina. Uh, I didn't know exactly how far it was, but we got a driver to, to do a day trip over there. And he told us that also we're, we were going to see the Islas Ballestas, which I didn't have any idea of that. Uh, I was very close to tell him, like, no, I just want to go to the Oasis, no? But he's like, it's, all, it's already included, no? Like, and I'm very happy, super glad that he convinced us to go to Las Islas Ballestas because it was between that and the desert and the Oasis, it was, for me, the best part of the trip. So Las Islas Ballestas are these islands that are in Paracas, that it's like three hours from Lima, and... Uh, Apparently, uh, these islands, it's an ecological reserve that first they produce a lot of guano, you know, the bird shit, but also it's an ecological reserve for sea lions, seagulls, uh, penguins, and a lot of like mussels, crabs also. So it was great. We did a tour. The tour takes you like two hours. Like when you when they first tell you that, you're like, oh, I don't want to be in a boat two hours. But honestly, it's great. And also you have the chance to see one of the líneas de Nazca, uh, the chandelier, which, uh, I mean, the idea was that we were going to have a, a flight to see the more, more of the líneas, but sadly we couldn't. So it was good that uh, we at least could see one. Um, then we drive like one hour more and we arrive to Huacachina. So to see the oasis is very cool. But then when you see the dunes, like the sand dunes over there, it's I have never seen a desert before. I have never seen a sand dune before. And to see how huge they are, to see how tall they get, that was scary. That was like, wow, that thing, it's, it should be like a 20 or 30 stores building. Uh, so over there behind the the oasis you see the cars that they use those cars for they call them boogies there i don't know what's the proper name in english but those cars are for you know jumping in the dunes and all of that so when i was seeing the size of the dunes and when i was seeing the cars i'm like mm, should i do it should i not then i decided that i want to do it but it was uh, like tours for for a group for like eight people in the boogie and when it's these sort of things, I'm usually very, <clears throat> I don't know, very picky. So I choose a private one. So we could jump more on the on the dunes as I wanted and as deep in the desert as I wanted. And this was my all-time favorite thing. Like uh, the whole the tour lasts like 50 minutes. So I told this guy, honestly, when I was already confident about the the feeling jumping the dunes to go all high speed over there it was great and then uh, well if you go there make sure to bring a hat make sure to bring like a like a scarf or like a bandana for the sand and also sunglasses for all the sand over there 
but um there was a point when we were already like super inside of the desert that everywhere that you looked there was no sign of a city no sign of anything else that is not desert and i was like damn this is much better than i was expecting uh and everything like they we were close to the sunset so the the light was it it just looked exactly like a painting for me this was my favorite part anyway uh, we finished the the tour we went we drove all the way back to lima and um then we stayed in Miraflores, like I was telling you, very near the Parque Kennedy. For me, this is my favorite park in the world because all the stray cats that are, are they're just wandering and they go near you. And they're, you know, they're cats. I love cats. So for me, just to have a lot of them uh, in a park, just wandering, it's great. So in this neighborhood, I had two favorite coffee shops. One, it's called Janka Cafe. The the coffee is very good. Uh, the place is very minimalistic but cool. And I also love their waffles. Their vegan waffles were very good. And another one that it's kind of a small chain in in Lima, I think just in Miraflores and Barranco. It's called Puku Puku. So great coffee and also a good place to work in your computer. Um. Another thing that I was very excited to eat during this trip was the Nikkei food. This fusion of Japanese and Peruvian food uh, is a result of the Japanese immigration that happened here and it has been happening for more than a hundred years. There is a museum that they go very deep into the, this history, but sadly I didn't have enough time uh, to go to see the museum. But um, we went to try this place that is called Shisen. And also this was one of our favorite experiences, like great food, great service, good quality of ingredients. Uh, this is a must. On the If you go on a weekend, make sure to make a reservation because it's all packed. And during the wink, you can just walk in, but uh, don't go exactly at lunchtime because it does get packed. So go before or after lunchtime. Uh, also talking about the Asian influence that Peru has. I discovered this amazing bubble tea place that I had to confess that I'm not a fan of this particular drink, but this place called my attention because first it was not a chain. Here in Mexico City, all the bubble tea places, pretty much all of them are a chain. Uh, this was just a tiny place. There was a big line and there was a flavor that just because I was looking at the menu, I saw it and I was like, I have to try this. So the flavor was a lucuma, which is this fruit that it's very similar in Mexico to yellow sapote. So it's like a fruit that it's creamy, heavy. Uh, so if you blend it, it will make this thick uh, drink. So it was this lucuma and coffee bubble tea. It was great. I came back here to the other than for three nights after that. So it was great. Um but one of our like i think that i can tell this for my mom and i our all-time favorite food food place in lima was a place that anna told us to go 
Uh, I'm very happy that we went on a big group because we could try like eight dishes in total. This place it's called La Picante. It's in Jesus Maria neighborhood, and everything was exceptional. The food was amazing. The softest fish that we have ever eaten, so delicious. Um, it was just I'm I'm drawing just to imagine this place again. It was amazing. This was our favorite place. So I really recommend you to go. It's a little bit outside of the regular touristy places like Barranco and the Miraflores, but it it's worth to go there. Um, another one of the favorite places of my mom in particular, it was this sandwich place that it's called La Lucha. It's a chain, so you can find it pretty much anywhere, but uh, it's very good. The bread is great. The meat is good. Her favorite was the pan con lechon, that basically it's suckling pig a sandwich, and that was her favorite. And this was exactly when we were eating here that uh, we realized that our trip was going to have a very interesting uh, turn of events. We were, I remember a lot of this, we were, it was March 15th. We were having dinner in La Lucha. Actually, we were waiting for our sandwich. And then my friend Anna sent me a message on WhatsApp where she just writes, we are fucked up. Esta medida, que tendrá una vigencia de 15 días calendario, implica el aislamiento social obligatorio de nuestra población. And I'm like, why? And she's like, the president just closed the airports. Uh, and I'm like, no way. Like, I, I thought that she was like, she was messing with me. And also, we arrived to the hotel. We asked and she told us, yeah, yeah, that's what the president told. Apparently, you have till tomorrow at night to get a flight. But after it's going to be closed. Like, nobody can go in. Nobody can go out. And I was like, I didn't know exactly what to do. I had a two feelings. One, I was like, this is not real. This this can't be possible. And second, I was like, maybe it's even better to stay here than to go to Mexico. I feel that they have the things more in control here. Anyway, we didn't did anything in particular. We were kind of still hoping that our flight was going to be still available to go or that our airline was going to contact us if anything of this was real. And no, nothing of that happened. They never sent us a message. And so far till today, <laughs> they haven't even said anything like, like, oh, we understand that you lost your flight, but don't worry, whatever. No, we haven't even heard anything about them. Anyway, next day that we hear this, uh, all the supermarkets are packed because the people also thought uh, that all the grocery stores, all the supermarkets were going to be closed. So they went uh, to buy things all in panic to get groceries all of that and then when we were watching that we were like oh maybe this thing is going to be real no so on the last days of our vacation over there we were in a spa hotel so i was like oh maybe it's going to be cool to be you know stranded here in a different country on a spa hotel no but uh, sadly all the common areas were closing like all the bar the restaurant the pool the gym everything was getting close i was like well <laughs> now it doesn't it's useless to stay here no so apparently we were already 
um, thinking that we were going to be stay there for the next 15 days. So to stay in this place was going to be too pricey. And uh, so we decided to go back to the other place that we stayed first, the place in Barranco. So we moved hotels. We were there and uh, this hotel called Osmada, they were super friendly, super open because uh, they only opened the hotel for us. We were the only ones there. So we were kind of a safe, but then we were wondering what we should do. No, I started to uh, look online for where was the embassy. Uh, I found that the embassy was, well, kind of a far distance walking, but um, I could go. So also I was hearing that there was a lot of Mexicans in Peru. So the next day I went to the embassy. I walked all the way there. And uh, when I entered, apparently there was more Mexicans there already. You no, know, there was three guys that honestly, there's a lot of people with such a weird stories, some more interesting, some sad stories. But in total, we were close to 900 Mexicans over there in Peru when that got that got stuck there. And still, till today, there's still a few Mexicans that are there because this thing was going to last to April 1st. But just a couple of days ago, the president said that this state of emergency is going to last till April 12th. So, yeah, there's people that is still stuck over there. Anyway, the people in the embassy were super helpful like I, I personally feel that they did a great job because we were all of the sudden we were 900 people telling them, hey, what do we do? <laughs> like, how can you help us? No, like, I don't know. Some people saying that they didn't have any place to stay. Some people saying that in their hotels or Airbnbs that they were staying, they were being kicked out. Some people, you know, all different situations, kids, uh, elderly. So in, in this moment, I felt very lucky that we had a place to stay, that we had food and uh, a bed to sleep, you know, because there was people that there were struggling a lot. And then, well, um, we stayed in touch with the embassy through the social media, on Twitter, on Facebook, and we made a WhatsApp group. So over there, you know, checking and maybe also we could help to other Mexicans, no? So uh, on the next day, when already this state of emergency was there, everything was closed. Everything with exception of banks, grocery stores, supermarkets, and uh, hospitals. But everything else was closed. I remember a lot how um, there was military in the streets, which in Mexico, that is very normal to see military people in the streets or with guns and all of that. It's, we are kind of used to it. But over there, uh, I remember how some people told me, I have never seen the military in the street like this. Never, ever, ever. Um, in the early 90s, Peru has a lot of problems with terrorism. But since that was over, there was no military people in the streets. So for them, it was, I remember a lot, this um, girl from the hotel that we stayed, she told me, like all those cars that the militaries are having right now, I have only seen them in the Independence Day parade, not in the streets like now, no? And there was no one 
and there was a lot of military checkpoints you know uh, in a point they were asking to every single person what are you doing here if you're not doing anything essential go back to your house i saw how um cops were walking and they were if there was someone sitting down in a bench in a park they were like you can't be here you have to keep walking so it was very weird like i have never felt that um but also in part felt like very i don't know like like they have this thing in control no that there's going to be more order here because by the time that this happened in peru in mexico we were pretty much having exactly the same amount of people with uh, coronavirus than in peru and to see how peru was doing all these things and texting to my friends and family here in mexico they were like no here's still like nothing is happening it was very weird that's why i was like maybe we are even better here no but after a few days like that i was like no we have to go home like i can't be here we have to take the chance when when the embassy tells that there is a flight available we have to get the tickets and here also there was a lot of um, um discussion about this because uh, the embassy told us that oh we have three humanitarian flights no i don't even know what that means but i thought that it was like oh, it's a free flight that's great no? but <clears throat> it was a free flight for people who had their flights with those airlines which it was interjet and aeromexico for the rest of the people we had to buy a ticket and there were not cheap tickets um so apparently they did that on the first three flights but still i know that there's two flights still more coming at least and for them everything is free so far from what i know everything is free and there's also people mexicans in cusco and they also got charge of the bus from cusco to arequipa because apparently the flights it's very hard to send a plane directly from mexico to cusco because it has to be a very skilled pilot like it's complicated so they decided to take them to arequipa and then to fly them from arequipa to mexico but anyway um this was a very interesting part of our trip uh luckily we only stayed three days after this uh, lockout started so this started on the 16th at night and we came back on the 19th and uh, now here the things are little by little evolving in mexico and uh, well let's see how the things go uh, obviously we have to be in a self-quarantine me and my mom this is almost half of our quarantine but it still is going to take a while for things to return to the normal and um, yeah this was a very long episode I, if you're still here i want to thank you and also i want to let you know um to listen to my new podcast i'm going to release a podcast that i'm pretty sure if you're listening to this it's already there the first episode this podcast is going to be in general about mexico and the first season is going to be all interviews to expats that they have or are doing projects temporary or a long term in mexico and basically it's a podcast for you to relax and to think in the future when the things go back to the normal uh, i leave you the link in my description and 
I hope that this episode was entertaining for you and plan on your next vacation because this thing is going to be done in a few time. This thing is going to be over and we have to have high hopes and we have to have a good mood and we have to wish for the best. All right. Thank you for listening to me and you can follow on my Instagram. That's where I post everything. Also my Twitter and my Facebook as Wishyaren and... Yeah, let's keep in touch. See ya. Bye. Yes, sir.